0: The Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1551. Mark 8, 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and to untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you In the name of Jesus. Tomorrow, December 7th, is the anniversary of a great tragedy in the history of these United States. It is the anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. In 1941, that's 79 years ago, one may think that working a day like Pearl Harbor into a proclamation may be difficult to do or perhaps a bit of a stretch, but it really isn't. So stay with me and you will see. You see, the United States military had been experimenting with a new technology called Radio Detection and Ranging, or radar for short. The military had just finished installing a radar station near Pearl Harbor. And the equipment was up And it was running, and the Army was in the process of running drills and training with the new technology. When the Japanese planes showed up on the equipment, the radar operators notified the Fighter Control Center, and the officer in the center at the time was an Army Lieutenant who had not been fully trained. He interpreted the data as a flight of replacement aircraft coming from the mainland. And he told the radar operators to forget about it. The radar equipment Properly track the Japanese aircraft as they attacked Pearl Harbor and then track them back to their carriers. The problem was that no procedures were in place, none at all, to properly use the radar information. It is very likely that the attack on Pearl Harbor would have turned out a whole lot differently if the attack would have taken place only a few weeks later after the radar had gone online and all the training had been completed. One may wonder what the outcome would have been had someone known what to do with the warning that was provided by the radar. There is a warning in the gospel as well. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism. Of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, John followed the footsteps of prophets before him who also proclaimed repentance and forgiveness. He was proclaiming this message with the Word of God and the waters, the Word and the waters of baptism. The importance of baptism in his ministry earned him the name John the Baptist. Now, John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And just like all of God's prophets, he warned people of sin. And he proclaimed the coming of the Messiah to save us from our sin. Unlike his predecessors, though, he proclaimed Messiah after Messiah was born. Unlike the earlier prophets, Messiah actually came in the flesh, the incarnation, to hear John's proclamation. John's proclamation of repentance began with a proclamation of sin. In fact, all of God's prophets, every one of them, proclaimed sin. And faithful pastors also proclaim sin. Now why is it that the proclamation of sin is so necessary? Faithful pastors need to be about that. But we know that people don't like to hear about sin. They sure don't like to hear about the punishment of sin, that is temporal death here on earth and eternal death in the suffering of hell. That is not a popular message, nor is it politically correct. Truth is, we really wouldn't have to talk about sin if people were honest about the state of the world around us. What does that mean? Well, for example, we have always, we have always had the resources to adequately feed and clothe every Person on the planet. The truth is that today, children still go naked. Today, children still starve to death. It takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of resources and wealth to go to war. It is a lot easier to be at peace. The truth is this, that the world has never really been at peace. A lot of people think that the golden rule is natural. But it isn't. They think that if we are nice to others, then they will be nice to us. Yet history seems to indicate to us that if we are nice to others, then they will take advantage of us. God has given us the resources that we need, all the resources that we need to make heaven on earth. But earth remains a valley of sorrows. If mankind were basically good, and we are not, But if we were basically good, we would have used the gifts of God to solve humanity's problems long ago. The fact that we still have problems testifies, no, actually it proves that humanity is not good. The fact is that Humanity's greatest earthly enemy is humanity itself. We have dictators. We have government bureaucracies. We have criminal elements and others that work to suppress their fellow man. None of us, hear me, None of us is immune from the desire to exploit others for our own purposes. We have met the enemy, and the enemy is us. Now, there are plenty of verses in the Bible that tell us we are natural-born sinners, but we don't really need The Bible to tell us this. It's obvious. It is obvious. Experience is enough to teach us that. We know this, that we don't need to teach our children to lie. Do we? We don't need to teach our children to hate, to covet, or to worship self. The sins are all very natural. Instead, what do we need to teach our children? What do we end up teaching them? We need to teach them to share. To share. To serve. To love. What do you say? Thank you. Virtues, in fact, are very unnatural. Even without the Bible, it's easy to see that there is something very wrong with people. If there weren't, we would have solved the problems of society long ago. Now, not only is humanity not honest about sin in general, but each one of us is in denial concerning our own personal sin. We we tell ourselves things like this, that although the world is really messed up, I'm not so bad. When things go bad around us, we tend to reply, it's not my fault. Even though the sin clearly belongs to us, we point at others and blame them. We follow in the footsteps of Adam, who blamed God for a defective woman. He did. John the Baptist comes along with his bony finger, (laughs) and he points it in your face and in my face, and his message is this. You are a sinner. You are the one who is guilty, and you need to repent. He says, stop blaming everyone else for your problems. If you try to hide your sin, its infection will only spread. Eventually it will kill you, And not just here on this earth, but forever in eternity. If you deny your own sin, well then you deny your own sin at your own peril. And like John, all the faithful prophets of old and all the faithful pastors warn us of sin. But this is no good for us if we reject the warning. And just as the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor was devastating, partly because an untrained army lieutenant didn't know what to do with the warning that he had received, so also the warning that we heard from John in today's Gospel does us no good if we reject it. If you could ask a survivor of the attack on Pearl Harbor, he would tell you that he would have given anything to receive the warning about the Japanese military was on its way. Such a warning would have had the potential to save thousands of lives. And in a similar way, in a similar way, the hearer should be grateful for pastors who warn of sin. And sadly, that is not the case. Often, not always, but often, the warning makes hearers Angry. And pastors hear often, not always, complaints such as How dare you tell me that I'm a sinner? How dare you tell me that I deserve eternal punishment forever in hell? I was told long ago by a mentor pastor that fire and brimstone doesn't have to be mean in order to be effective. Faithful pastors want to do what the radar operators wanted to do for Pearl Harbor. They wanted to warn of the attack of the enemy. They want, faithful pastors want the Holy Spirit to take their hearers toward the solution to their problem. They want the Holy Spirit to make their hearers aware of the primary problem, which is their own sin. And that all of their other problems, every single one of them is rooted in that sin. John the Baptist calls on you to trust the Messiah and to repent. To get your sins out into the open. To confess them to Almighty God to rely on his mercy, to look to the forgiveness of sins that you received through your baptism in that font. And if you have not yet received baptism, then be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. John, John was the voice in the wilderness that was hearkening to prepare ye the way of the Lord, the way of Jesus Christ. And he prepared the way. He pointed to the one who would follow him. As he said, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John exhorted his followers to believe in the Messiah who is to come. The mighty Savior is the one The mighty Savior is none other than Jesus Christ. We know that. He is the one whom the prophets proclaimed, and he is the one in whom they believed. This mighty Savior is the solution to our problem of sin. He is the one who earned forgiveness for our sins. And he is the one that offers that forgiveness to us for free. He is the one who makes us holy in God's sight. And how did he do this? As mighty as Jesus is, as mighty as Jesus is, he demonstri- demonstrated his might in weakness. And even though we are not worthy to touch his feet, he allowed mere men to nail him on a cross. And it was from the apparent weakness of that cross that Jesus demonstrated his greatest might. In what appeared to be his defeat by death, we see, we know that Christ conquered death. That he became the solution for sin by taking our sin unto himself and paying the price for it in full. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And it is only through him that we receive the forgiveness of all of our sins. Now suppose the radar warning would have been successful on that December 7th, 79 years ago. Suppose that the innocent could have found shelter. Suppose that the military could have mounted a defense. Many of the people who died in the attack would have lived instead. Now suppose that there was a person who thought the attack was a hoax. Suppose that person refused to take shelter. Suppose that person died. That person would be dead because of his own foolishness. He would be dead because he rejected the warning of the attack and the opportunity of shelter. Now just as the Holy Spirit makes us aware of our sin, he also makes us aware of the Savior. And he creates a faith in us so that we can receive Salvation from that Savior. Some people reject the Holy Spirit's gift of faith. They reject His warning, and they reject the salvation of Jesus Christ. These people are like someone who rejects the warning of the battle and the opportunity for shelter. They are responsible for their own Destruction. So don't be foolish, would be the lesson that John is putting out to you and to me. Do not be foolish. Listen to his warning and repent of your sin. Listen to John's offer of salvation and believe in the one who is coming, the one whose sandal strap John is not worth, worthy of loosening. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. In the name of Jesus, amen.